Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the GI Startup Podcast. Our guest today is Matt Schwartz, CEO and co-founder of Virgo. Matt received a bachelor's degree from Vanderbilt University in biomedical engineering and engineering management. He co-founded Virgo in 2018 with the mission of improving patient outcomes and healthcare workflows by applying artificial intelligence to endoscopy. Since then, Virgo has become an industry leader for endoscopic video capture solutions. I am so looking forward to hearing this conversation with Matt. And as always, here is your host, Dr. Curdy. All right, we've got Matt Schwartz here with us. He's the founder and CEO of Virgo. Uh, welcome, Matt. How's it going? Thanks so much. It's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, where, where are you right now? So I'm based here in uh, sunny San Diego. It's a little bit colder than normal, but still a beautiful day. I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> Not that I don't like San Antonio. It's awesome, but San Diego is a, is a different place. It's a great place. My wife is from here, and uh, I don't think we're ever leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't either. <laughs> um, all right, Matt. So... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your story in your own words. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so grew up in the Midwest from uh, outside of Indianapolis, went to school at Vanderbilt in Nashville and studied biomedical engineering there. Um, just became obsessed with medical technology, medical devices in particular. And coming out of undergrad, I started my career in medical device product management. It's actually what brought me out here to San Diego. Uh, worked at a company called Nuvasive, which is uh, a leading player in minimally invasive devices for spine surgery. Uh, so they pioneered a, a new, less invasive approach to spinal fusion. Uh, I worked on their uh, flagship product line, which is called Xlif. Uh, so launched a number of instrumentation systems, implant systems. Uh, ultimately, that product line grew to uh, over 125 million in annual revenue. Uh, spent about five years there, had a great experience, and then uh, left for the Bay Area for a few years uh, and joined Intuitive Surgical, which is the company that makes the DaVinci robotic surgery system. Um, so as a product manager working on DaVinci uh, and was there for about a year and a half before leaving to start Virgo. And, uh, you know, the DaVinci is an incredible uh, technology platform. It, it's pretty amazing to, to get to play with robots uh, all day for your job. And uh, was working on some of their next generation platforms and uh, through that just became more uh, aware of, of what's being done in imaging. And uh, around the same time, I was becoming very interested in machine learning and computer vision in particular. Uh, so I actually started taking some, some online courses uh, around machine learning and, and building deep neural nets and uh, just became absolutely fascinated with uh, the, the advancements that were happening in that space. And um, I think like a lot of people, when you, when you start thinking about computer vision for uh, healthcare, your mind goes to radiology uh, technologies for MRIs and uh, CT scans. And over the course of my career, I, I'd been in hospitals around the world supporting surgeries uh, that were oftentimes video based where, you know, if it's robotic surgery, there's 3D HD video streams uh, being generated that the doctors are watching in real time, uh, in spine surgery, oftentimes there's overhead cameras. And uh, as a product manager, I would, I would try to capture video from these procedures and found that the equipment available to capture video, even from a, a $2 million robotic surgery system was 
really lacking from a technology perspective. Oftentimes you'd have to bring in your own DVD recorder or external hard drive recorder. There'd be these systems in the hospital that nobody ever knew how to work, that they had purchased them, but uh, they were basically unusable. And, and my job was to try to figure out how to get video off of these systems so we could use it for training purposes, marketing material, sales collateral, et cetera. Um, and when we could get the video, it was incredibly impactful. It was just really hard to actually get it. And um, so piecing all those things together, the, the light bulb kind of went off in my head that there's a tremendous amount of video data being generated in medical procedures. Uh, and we now think of that as the broad spectrum of endoscopy. Any video-based medical procedure falls into this category and nobody was capturing that data. And if we could provide a, a really easy to use solution to capture this data at scale, make it usable for physicians, um, we, we thought there'd be a really nice product there. And at the same time, we could build up a data set for uh, machine learning purposes across endoscopy. And so that's what uh, led me to, to leave Intuitive and start Virgo. Uh, left Intuitive back in late 2016 and officially incorporated Virgo in early 2017. Man, that's incredible. That That's an awesome story. And I'll tell you, I've... I've suffered through this myself, having to bring uh, USB drives and uh, pick up videos one by one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's We've seen resourceful physicians out there that, that you know, figure out a way to do it with uh, all kinds of off-the-shelf products. Yeah. So it's uh, kudos to you for figuring it out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's terrible. We We absolutely need this. Um, that's awesome. I, you know, I think your story is particularly interesting because of your background. I mean, looks like you were born into innovation. Anything in your childhood that um, kind of stimulated that or put you on that direction? Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, so my, my dad's actually a surgeon and so was always kind of immersed in the healthcare world. And um, I remember as a kid, he he'd actually, when you'd be getting ready for some big upcoming case, Sometimes you'd bring home like a VHS that I think some of the medical societies had, had put out uh, just a, you know, a video that he could watch a surgery. And so you know, we'd walk into the living room one night and there'd be this gory surgery on the TV screen. Um, and, and so that was always just in the background. And uh, the other thing, my dad was uh, big into computers early on. We always had the, the latest version of whatever uh, Apple computer was out there. And so when uh, Apple released the iMac originally, we had like one of the first iMacs. And um, I became very interested in video editing on, on the iMac. You remember, you know, they launched iMovie pretty early on. Uh, we would have these little random Sony video recorders and me and my friends, this is in you know middle school, we would, uh, we would make our own fun home home movies uh, and, and just kind of mess around with video editing. And so I, I basically grew up doing video editing. And I think that's what enabled me when I was going out and supporting surgeries to figure out ways to capture video off of these systems. I was familiar with all the, the nuances of different video formats and uh, different outputs that were on the systems and converters that you might have to use to get things to work. So yeah, when, uh, when it came to time to start Virgo, it really felt like the culmination of uh, my life history and, and all my interests coming together in, in uh, one awesome project. That's absolutely incredible. I love that. It's an incredible story and, and it's an incredible product, but every startup company has to start somewhere. Um, and usually the first product that you come up with is light years behind what you have right now. So tell us about your first 
MVP or e even before an MVP. Tell us about your first product, the most rudimentary structure that you had. Yeah. So um, we actually went through kind of a fun journey at the, the start of the company. You know, when I when I first uh, left Intuitive to start Virgo, um, the idea is that we wanted to start capturing video from surgery, actually. Uh, and, and the long term goal would be to potentially build up this database of videos and use it for automating all or parts of surgery with machine learning. Uh, and so, you know, started talking to a number of surgeons uh, across the spectrum of, of folks using robotics, talked to a number of spine surgeons I'd worked with in the past and found that it was um, it was a little bit difficult to get all the surgeons interested in video capture. They, they like the idea of capturing occasional video, but not the idea of capturing all of their video. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons behind it. I think a lot of it, you know, surgery tends to be riskier than diagnostic uh, GI procedures. And so there's some concern around liability. Um, but we, we spent a lot of time talking to surgeons and then um, kind of by happenstance had these two conversations that led us into GI. Um, one, I had a childhood friend whose dad was a gastroenterologist uh, outside of Indianapolis. And I, I, you know, got him on the phone and started asking him about GI and the interest in video capture. And he told me, you know, there's actually this, uh, there's a gastroenterologist in, in Indianapolis, who's uh, one of the leading experts in the world in colorectal cancer screening. His name's Doug Rex, and he's, he's actually right down the street. His endoscopy center turns out is about 10 minutes from my parents' house, and he's he scoped both my parents. And so um, there's that nice tie into GI, got us really thinking about it. And uh, Dr. Rex has actually put out some really interesting literature on the use cases of video recording in GI and the, the benefits of doing so. And then around the same time, my co-founder, Ian, his dad uh, is a GI patient of Dr. David Cave out in UMass. And so um, he, he was going in for an EGD and he asked Dr. Cave, is there any way you can get me a video recording of my procedure kind of as a setup? And when Dr. Cave told him, no, we don't have a way to do this, he, he gave him the pitch and said, my son's actually working on something to do video capture. Uh, and, and Dr. Cave told us about the AGA's Tech Summit, which was coming up in two weeks. This was, I think, April of 2017. Um, and at the time, we had a, a prototype, which was uh, a Raspberry Pi that I had been working on. I, I'm, I'm definitely not a software engineer, but can uh, you know copy-paste code my way around certain things and hack things together. So I had this Raspberry Pi that had wires hanging off it, and uh, honestly... When we flew out to the AJ Tech Summit, it looked like more of a bomb than a, a prototype. It was just like a little device with wires coming off of it. And sat down at the breakfast table um, at the AJ Tech Summit, and we're really fortunate just to meet some very kind uh, physicians that that kind of talked us through the industry. And when we shared our vision with them of you know wanting to build a, a low cost cloud video capture solution uh, for GI endoscopy, they got super excited and made a ton of introductions and. And that was the starting point is a you know raspberry pi uh we didn't even have the the web portal version of it it was really just a vision of where things would go but the positive response we got around that that level of a prototype and and the vision for what we were trying to build uh helped us some, secure some letters of intent uh from from really top tier institutions and uh that that kicked off the company back in april 2017. Nice, nice. T tell me about those letters of intent. What, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a letter of intent can mean anything. It, it, uh, when you're an early stage company, especially in healthcare, you know, there's this concept of uh, an MVP, a minimum viable product. And in healthcare, the bar for viability is actually pretty high. You know, when we're, we're talking about working with 
sensitive patient data, uh, working with big healthcare systems, you, you can't just move fast and break things. You have to actually, you know, build a viable product to, to get in the door. And so for us, we were looking to raise capital and it's, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg problem where you need some capital to build the product. And in order to get the capital, investors want to see that you have some level of traction and that there's something there beyond just a story to tell. And so uh, as a, an entrepreneur, you're constantly looking at, at, you know, how do you just put in the sweat equity to, to build something until you can start to get that, uh, that cycle moving. And so for us, a lot of it was build a prototype, share the vision, and go out and talk to physicians who'd express uh, some amount of interest in the product that we were looking to build. And so getting those signatures on letters of intent was really helpful in getting our fundraising process started. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, a letter of intent can mean just about anything. It's uh, sometimes it's valuable, sometimes it's not so valuable, but it, de it definitely can demonstrate to investors that there are you know, meaningful customers out there that are at least interested in, in a purchasing, purchasing the technology, um, you know, provided it's actually built and, and you do what you say you're going to do. That's awesome. I, I love that because you said it's a, it's a big problem to convince people that this is something that people are willing to pay for, but it's not even there yet. So people are, of course, not willing to pay for it. But... That's the, the, the job of the entrepreneur is to be scrappy and, and figure out these ways to um, just over time continue to build and demonstrate uh, demonstrate interest and value. Awesome, awesome, this is great. So then let me ask you about this. Um, since your um, MVP was pretty pretty simple, maybe you didn't, but did you have any pre-seed capital? Did you start with maybe like a family and friends round or something like that? Or did you start from scratch with whatever was available in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, um, I, I bootstrapped the company originally and, uh, you know, living in San Francisco at the time, burned through a lot of my savings pretty quickly um, and w was at that point looking to raise some, some amount of capital in a pre-seed round. And um, coming out of the AGA Tech Summit with those letters of intent in hand, we actually applied and got into Techstars, which is a startup accelerator program. They've got programs around the world now, actually. Um, we went through one of their uh, their top programs in New York City at the time. So this was back in the summer of 2017, we went through Techstars. And um, they make a pre-seed investment as part of the accelerator program. And we we're also able to kind of leverage that into some friends and family and angel investors um, to, to build up some pre-seed capital, which was, it was huge for us at the time. You know, we were, Again, working in healthcare, healthcare can be really challenging and, and can be slow uh, from a, a startup perspective. Um, we also had a hardware component to what we were doing. We were trying to do cloud video infrastructure. There's a lot of big problems all coming together that uh, you need some amount of capital to try to tackle. We've always um, tried to be capital efficient in what we do. It's, it's something we really pride ourselves on. Um, but you have to raise some capital. And so we were able to get some great early angel investors to come on board uh, along with some friends and family and, and former coworkers, uh, which is always great to find support there too. Awesome. That's, that's fantastic. All right. So let's talk more now about Virgo. So let's take a little review of what you guys do because you do a lot. And so <laughs> you guys do, um, or at least help with clinical trials, with uh, patient selection. You have some um, artificial intelligence applications. You do video capture. 
uh, for gastroenterologists. Yeah. Give us a runoff of what you guys offer. Yeah, sure thing. So um, you're right, we do a lot. And, and so with that in mind, I always kind of like to start with our mission because I think that makes it very clear why we're doing all these different things. So our mission at Virgo is to improve patient outcomes and clinical workflows in healthcare by developing automation and AI tools for endoscopy. Um, and so we think of you know, patient outcomes and clinical workflows are pretty broad. We wanna make sure that we're building things that overall contribute to the benefit of patient care, but also look at the way physicians and, and really everyone in the healthcare ecosystem is working to improve their workflows. And uh, when we, we think about building those automation and AI tools, our core hypothesis from day one is that if you want to build meaningful AI and automation tools at scale, it really starts with good data infrastructure. And that's what we saw was the missing component uh, back in 2017. And I, I think still even today is a huge challenge is how do you get good data and not just getting the data, but building up robust infrastructure so that you have a continual data pipeline to work with. I think, um, you know, when you, you look at other industries that have been successful implementing uh, AI systems, oftentimes they have really robust data infrastructure that underpins the whole thing. So our first product that we, we uh, brought to market is uh, the leading cloud video capture management and analysis platform for endoscopic video. Uh, so we've got a small device that you can see here. Uh, this is the latest generation of it. Looks much nicer than the earlier generations, but um, we like to, to compare the device to the form factor of an Apple TV. And we connect this to the video output of any existing endoscopy system. And it can really be any imaging system. So we connect to the endoscopy video processor from any, uh, any of the manufacturers, Olympus, Pentax, Fujifilm, uh, we also connect to fluoroscopy, endoscopic ultrasound, spyglass. We've connected to bronchoscopy systems. Uh, if it's got a, a video output on it, we can capture from it. And the device then connects to the internet. So it basically is uh, like a cloud enabling device for pre-existing medical imaging systems. And uh, one of the, I, I think really the key secret sauce that we've got behind the platform is that we automate the video capture process. We uh, make it so that it's not something that the physician or any of the clinical nursing team has to be involved with. Once you set up the device, it can be as easy as set it and forget it. And so the, the way we do that, uh, we actually have uh, some uh, patented machine learning algorithms that run on our device and analyze the video feed in real time to determine when the procedure starts and when it stops. And we use that to trigger the video recording. So again, Everybody just goes about their normal workflow and almost like magic, the videos are securely transferred off to our HIPAA compliant web portal. Um, so that is, that is still today, the core of Virgo is being able to do robust, uh, secure, high definition video capture at scale uh, and to be able to do it at very low or sometimes even at no cost to the health system. Um, now, on top of that, we, we have this whole web portal environment where doctors can log in and access their video library, and we support a number of different applications for what doctors actually want to do with those videos. We make it really easy to share and collaborate on videos. So we've got a number of multi-center research projects that are heavily leveraging the Virgo platform uh, for, for just investigator-initiated research. We're also very popular in uh, training programs with fellowships and residencies. 
where uh, you know trainees can actually build up their own library of videos, and we support um, video-based assessment programs where we actually have assessments that are built right into the portal. So uh, you know a, a physician can, in a non-biased fashion, review a video and uh, fill out an assessment on that video directly within the portal. Um, and then beyond that, we we more recently have started collaborating much more closely with pharmaceutical companies. Uh, specifically around the idea of accelerating patient recruitment. So as we've built up this network of devices, um, we're now in, in uh, over 100 hospitals and outpatient endoscopy centers around the country, starting to do international expansion. And we're, we're building up this very large network of you know, video capture devices. And what we've learned in working with pharma companies is that it's very challenging uh, historically to recruit patients for GI clinical trials, especially in IBD trials. And the data that we're capturing can be extremely informative for finding the right patients for the right trial at the right institution. So uh, we do that with a little bit of additional artificial intelligence that analyzes videos uh, as they're flowing through our system and flagging who we believe are the right patients for the right trials and notifying the clinical research coordinators at those sites. That's fantastic. I'll take a minute to commend you on the fact that you your system works without any additional input from the physician or the staff. Because, you know, I'm working on something right now and, and the feedback that I keep getting is that I don't want to even touch my phone before I start my procedure. I don't want to do anything. I already have enough clicks in my day. I already have enough stops in my day. I don't want to add anything else. So everybody just wants the flow to remain the way it yeah. is. And being able to achieve that is is amazing. So that is that is really, really impressive. Um, but in terms of uh, clinical trials, it, it, this is really interesting to me because you know, you have a background, like you said, um, in uh, computer vision and image analysis, machine learning, all that stuff. And you've built this great system that can capture video. So you can, you probably have the potential to have the biggest video libraries of um, endoscopic procedures out there. The, the natural thing to think about next is polyp detection AI, right? So it's interesting why you guys picked a different path, um, and I, I'd like to hear about that. Did did that was that ever on the table? And then you guys went yeah. in a different direction, or did you guys go down that road and then pivot? How did that work? Yeah, uh, it, it's a great question. And, and uh, you know, as a startup, you have to pick your battles, and you've got to be really strategic about uh, prioritizing the things that you work on. In the, the very early days of, of starting the company, um, we were definitely excited about uh, polyp detection, polyp classification. I think the, the broader concepts of CADI and CADX, and, and candidly, I still think they're very exciting uh, technology opportunities. Um, one of the, the things that we learned along the way is that you've got to be very clear on how incentives are all aligned within healthcare because things can be very counterintuitive uh, about which technologies actually get adopted and which technologies there's a, a viable business model for, even beyond whether you just have the belief that, you know, this is going to improve outcomes. Uh, unfortunately, in our healthcare system, that doesn't always lead to technological adoption. And so um, one of the things that, that guided our thinking here um, was actually some of the research from Doug Rex, where he had done these studies where he's able to show 
uh, kind of pilot studies that when he uh, told his partners that their colonoscopies were being video recorded, they saw that just video recording alone was leading to longer withdrawal times and increased ADRs. And so that was really exciting for us. We said, oh, this is great. We just need to tell people, you know, if you, if you want to improve your ADR, uh, one way to do it is just by instituting systematic video capture. That should be to, to Virgo's benefit. And what we learned is that uh, there, there's unfortunately not a huge incentive across the, um, you know, the, the healthcare system within GI to go above and beyond with ADR. I think everyone talks about ADR and recognizes it's a very important measure, but folks aren't necessarily interested in uh, new expenses that will drive increases in ADR. And I think you've seen similar results with something like endocuff, where there's great data showing that endocuff can improve ADR. Still, adoption rates are fairly low, I think in large part because people aren't necessarily willing to make that additional expense uh, for, for increased ADR. And so we started thinking about that in terms of CAD-E and CAD-X, and we're, we're concerned that despite the potential for the technology to improve ADR, there may not actually be a direct uh, you know, business model there uh, unless there's new reimbursement that comes to light uh, around uh, AI-assisted colonoscopy. And, and from a startup perspective, trying to get that new reimbursement, I think is a, it's a pretty risky bet, frankly. It can take a number of years. And I think there's even concern that if there ever is new reimbursement for AI-assisted colonoscopy, there's a chance that it's set at lower RVUs than non-AI-assisted colonoscopy. And so um, while I think it's amazing technology uh, and, and I'm you know, definitely supportive of getting it to market, and I think it's something that we may layer into our platform over time, uh, it just wasn't, from our perspective, the best business model per to, to pursue because of the way the healthcare system is architected. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you for that. I, I, I absolutely love the way you guys went about that because... You know, it's it's getting to um, it's getting to a point where it's a crowded space now, and it probably is not going to get any, <laughs> any better. Uh, so you guys have managed to, yeah, I, I think, I, differentiate yourselves in a in a really good way. Yeah, I I tend to think that um, you know over time something like polyp detection alone is probably going to become pretty commoditized and uh, potentially just you know, included in core endoscopy. Um, polyp detection, uh, polyp classification, you know, potentially there's more of a reimbursement pathway around that, but I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know, still, still a bit skeptical. Um, and I think these are all things that we would still look to layer into the Virgo platform over time. We've, we've got a great partner now in Satisfy Health, uh, which is a, a leader in uh, AI algorithm development. And we're exploring ways to collaborate and layer in CADI and CADEX systems beyond just polyps into other areas as well. Um, but, you know, we, we always want to be extremely thoughtful about um, how is this going to impact, you know, providers and, and how does this fit into the broader healthcare ecosystem? And so uh, that's where the clinical trial recruitment has just been such a, a, a huge win for us. There's a, a great business model there and uh, fantastic pharma partners to work with. Awesome. My next question is basically probably a headache that you have, <laughs> which is what are the types of customers that you have? I'm, I'm guessing academic centers should be a very simple, straightforward why they would want to um, invest in Virgo. 
private practices, especially ones that are involved in research and clinical trials, um, should be very simple. What about independent private practices, your bread and butter surgical centers that are all over the place that, you know, constitute the majority of gastroenterologists out there? Has it been difficult getting them involved? What are the reasons that they get involved for? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you pretty much nailed it. Uh, so we definitely built our core user base around academic medical systems. And uh, there's just so many use cases for what they can do with their own video data and then our ability to support them with clinical trials. And, and the big thing is you see academic health systems now, it's not just one hospital, they're expanding and kind of gobbling up community hospitals and even outpatient endoscopy centers. And so we can create this whole uh, network effect within a given academic health system. And, and I think a lot of the same principles apply to uh, non-academic integrated health systems. The, the large private practices that participate in research, it's very similar. Uh, and so we've been quite successful growing there. I think the, the kind of small to mid-sized private practices are uh, a newer opportunity for us. And one of the things that we can do as Virgo um, with our relationships with pharma companies, we actually have a number of pharma companies who want to run new clinical trials exclusively at sites that are using Virgo. And so we can actually bring clinical trial opportunities to uh, practices that historically potentially were not engaged in clinical research. And, you know, for a, for a really small private practice, I don't know that this is viable, but for kind of a mid-sized private practice that has looked at research and thought about research opportunities, but doesn't necessarily want to invest in the overhead for doing their own research. Um, you know, one of the things we're bullish on with Virgo is that we can provide a technology solution that can, uh, you know, make them more successful with research than they otherwise would be on their own. So we're, uh, we're, we're still, I think, in the early days of that with the, the mid-sized private practices, but we're starting to see much more interest there. And I think the other thing we're seeing with, uh, with private practices across the board is their own interest in their data and what can be done with their data. I think uh, historically gastroenterologists have maybe overlooked the value of data. Uh, and, and right now they, they probably think about their own data as being endo writer data. Um, but what we're seeing is that, you know, endoscopy video data is really interesting for a number of applications. And, um, you know, we, we're uh, hoping to be a partner with practices that are looking to uh, package up and analyze their data in, in a number of different ways, specifically around endoscopy data. So I think that'll be something that um, we'll really lean into over 2023 and beyond. Nice. Let's be a little specific. What types of data are we talking about? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there are, uh, you know, pharma companies, uh, medical device companies, uh, payers that are interested in very large aggregated de-identified data sets that they can use for all sorts of big data analytics purposes. And, um, you know, historically, there's been a pretty robust market around, uh, you know, claims data, EHR data in a de-identified fashion. All, all the, uh, the payers are kind of repackaging and brokering de-identified data. Um, I think as, as people get more interested in what can be done with endoscopy video analysis, there's a similar opportunity there to package up very large de-identified data sets and perform analytics on them. And, you know, any one given small private practice on its own probably doesn't generate the level of data to be of interest or of value. But um, one of the things we hope to do is be able to pull together, uh, you know, a number of different small private practices 
and help them collaborate on uh, these larger uh, data sets that can actually be of interest to pharma companies, payers, et cetera. Nice. nice. So your endoscopy videos can have value just to themselves, not, not necessarily content yeah. related or that's, that's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, definitely. They're doing the data and then um, in just the video data. And then of course, linking the video data with other uh, claims data, EHR data, uh, nice. all in a de-identified fashion. So tell us how much does it cost? Say I'm the head of a private practice out there and I'm thinking about Virgo. How much am I expected to pay to have it? Is it a monthly subscription? How does it work? Yeah. So our standard pricing is an annual subscription and it's, uh, it's pretty simple. It's $4,000 per year per procedure room. And that provides unlimited video capture, unlimited video access, unlimited user accounts. Uh, and we'll actually set up multiple of these devices. So if, uh, if it's a room that has uh, a separate endoscopic ultrasound feed or fluoroscopy feed, we'll set up multiple devices to capture all the different imaging modalities in the same room. Um, so that's the, the standard pricing. We also have pricing that we can do around various interfaces uh, with EHR systems or single sign-on systems at larger hospitals. Uh, but what's been really interesting is through our relationships with pharmaceutical companies, we can actually discount uh, the, the pricing for Virgo down all the way to free for health systems that are uh, willing to participate in our clinical trial network. And um, so through that, if a hospital says, yes, we're, we're interested in potentially you know, taking on some clinical trials, uh, they can actually just use Virgo at no charge uh, and we'll deploy across their entire health system. Uh, and we're able to monetize through pharmaceutical companies. And the, the really nice thing is at the end of the day, the health system still has full control over which uh, uh, pharma trials they do or do not participate in. And so it's a, it's a very lightweight uh, engagement with the health system. Uh, they can just get them up and running and they still get all the same benefits of being able to record their data and use their data for their own investigator initiated studies. Um, and we've just found that it's, it's uh, really a win-win for everybody. It's, it's a win for us, it's a win for the health system, and it's a win for the pharma companies and getting able to uh, uh, enroll their studies much more quickly. Nice. That's a great thing to know. Um, we get it for free. Got to work on it. Just got to qualify, be able to, to participate in a clinical trial. Maybe, maybe not for the small uh, gastroenterology practices out there, but at least there's a pathway for, for other places. So th that's awesome. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the exciting news that has been happening with you guys. Um, I think recently Olympus Innovation Ventures invested in your Serie A, right? That's right. All right. So what I'm interested in knowing is um, how did this come about? Um, how did that connection happen? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so we, our Series A round was led by a group called FCA Venture Partners, which is a healthcare-specific early-stage fund based out of Nashville. Uh, so they were our lead investor. But um, you know, last year, I think it was probably November, maybe December, around the time when Olympus announced their innovation fund, um, I, I was connected with the gentleman who was running the fund at the time. And I think it was actually connected through his son, who is uh, an entrepreneur who I've gotten to know, uh, who has his own startup. So kind of a, a small, small world, the power of networking there. We've obviously been in touch with Olympus, you know, basically since we started the company, we met with folks there and, and have always been thoughtful about, you know, different ways we could potentially work together. They're clearly the market leader in uh, endoscopic imaging systems and from our perspective, we'd, we'd love to get Virgo onto, you know, 
as many of their scopes worldwide as we possibly could. Um, and so when, when they announced their innovation fund, we got back in touch and said, hey, we're raising a Series A. We'd love to discuss this with you. And I think there's a, a lot of interest in the way our business model has evolved, where early on, it was really just core video capture. And uh, I think what really interested them is some of the, the novel things that we're doing around working with pharmaceutical companies and looking at ways to bridge that gap between the device side and the, the life sciences biotech side. And so, um, you know, there, there was definitely excitement there. We were thrilled to be the first investment out of their innovation fund. And we've got a number of ongoing conversations about different ways we can work together with Olympus to uh, accelerate both of our growth paths. Fantastic. That's actually my next question. What should we expect out of this partnership? Yeah, I think there'll be more to come. We're, we'll uh, hope to have some announcements either later this year or early next year about the things we'll be doing together. Um, but, you know, definitely very collaborative nature with Olympus. We're in contact with a number of their teams across the board about ways that uh, our, our various programs can interact. Um, so unfortunately, nothing I can disclose right now, but uh, we're excited about what the future is going to hold. Me too. I, <laughs> I want to know at some point. <laughs> All right. So keeping with the exciting news, you, you mentioned that um, you guys are working with uh, Satisfy, um, but you're also working with Elementive. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the nature of this partnership um, and, and also its origin. How did this come about? Yeah, we are super excited about this and, and have actually been spending quite a bit of time internally uh, working with Satisfy and Elementive. Um, you know, Elementive is far and away the market leader when it comes to uh, executing IVD clinical trials and, and specifically around uh, the aspect of central reading within clinical trials. Um, you know, uh, Brian Fagan there, Bill Sanborn, they, they basically helped craft the, the way protocols are developed for IVD clinical trials. And um, as we were getting really involved in patient recruitment, we were having more and more conversations with pharma companies about, you know, how can the Virgo platform potentially enhance what's being done in central reading, whether that's around core data capture and making the data more easily accessible and, and enhancing uh, high definition video capture for IBD studies, all the way to uh, potentially bringing in artificial intelligence to the central reading process to standardize it, make it faster, make it more reliable. Um, and, and we were, continually being encouraged by our pharma partners to have conversations with Alimentive and, and talk to them about how we could work together. Uh, and so I think around, uh, I think it was around DDW, uh, we kind of started a three-way conversation with Satisfy and Alimentive and, and over time have been getting uh, to know each other more closely. And now we're at the point we announced this partnership where really what we're looking to do is bring new technology solutions to central reading in IBD clinical trials. And uh, you know, we think there's a lot that can be done from the hardware side around, you know, our, our video capture platform. Satisfy has a fantastic uh, AI enhanced smart scoring tool for central reading. And so we're layering all this together with the expertise and the network that Alimentive has to hopefully move the paradigm forward in IBD clinical trials. And one of the things that we're extremely excited about is just the footprint that Alimentive has. They, they currently work with about 4,000 sites globally. Uh, and for, for Virgo, you know, the name of the game for us is how do we get into as many sites as, as quickly as possible, uh, especially when it comes to global footprint. And so, um, you know, we are, we're going to be kicking off um, the, the rollout of working together uh, early in 2023 
and we think it's just going to be a huge opportunity for uh, for our three companies, but also for pharma sponsors and the patients who are involved in these trials. Nice. That's amazing. I mean, IBD, we truly need lots of clinical trials there. I mean, we, we have these network analyses, but um, in terms of good quality, head-to-head comparisons between the drugs that are out there, and of course, there are everyday new medications coming coming out, and we really need to test all of these out. Um, let me ask you, since since you started working on this, I mean, you, you started um, Virgo in 2017. Um, you probably got into this market a few years after. Have you noticed or have you had a sense that there maybe is increase in the number of trials that are being conducted or maybe in the um, duration of recruitment or the number of patients recruited per year or something like that have have you noticed any yeah i mean candidly we're uh i'd say we're still pretty young in, in our personal experience uh we really only started getting involved in the clinical trial space over the past uh year and a half or maybe two years um but if you look at the data if you look at the data it's pretty clear ibd trials are really struggling um i think there's a, a study published in maybe it was 2019 that looked at the average recruitment rate for IBD trials on a site-by-site -site basis. And uh, your average IBD trial site is recruiting just under one patient per year into IBD trials. And if you look at um, the, the ongoing phase three trials for ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, they take multiple years to complete. And, and some of them, you know, they end up actually canceling because they're having such a hard time enrolling. And uh, th this is just a huge impact on the ability to innovate and get new treatments out to market. Um, if you've got a, you know, call it a four to seven year timeline for a phase three trial, um, there's only so much you can do from a, an innovation perspective just to see what works and what doesn't. And so, you know, if you look at the epidemiology, there's way more patients out there with these conditions that should be eligible for these trials. And I think the trick is, finding the right patients at the right locations at the right time and getting them into the right trials. So we think there's, there's still just a ton of opportunity to take that four to seven year window and shrink it to more like a two to three year window or maybe even faster. And um, if that can be done, I, I think it's just gonna be a huge, uh, a huge positive improvement for the entire community, physicians and patients alike. Nice. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your, your product market fit, your customer. Um, you know, we talked about academic practices, but academic practices are, you know, it sounds like a relay to pharma. And that's really interesting. Um, how did how did you guys come up with this business model of marketing towards clinical trials for pharma? Because, uh, you know, in, in healthcare, usually we think about patients, physicians. Um, so th that's interesting to me. Tell me about that. I mean... I wish I could tell you it was like a stroke of business genius, uh, but but it, it definitely was not. And um, I think it's what you what you go through at startups is a lot of uh, you know hypothesizing and then testing your hypothesis, and you've got to just try to move quickly on those things. And so um, for years we we had been hearing from some of our academic users that you know, they really struggle with technology in clinical trials. They said like the, the data capture systems were not great for clinical trials, capturing video, but we weren't really sure what to make of it. Um, and then I've actually, I've got an advisor who, this was like maybe three years ago, 
reached out and she said, have you looked at uh, clinical trials as, as an opportunity for Virgo? And for, I, I said, no, I don't actually even really know like how that would work. I wasn't really sure what the value proposition might be. And she said, well, I think you should explore it. I know pharma companies are always really you know, struggling with patient recruitment and, and it's top of mind for them. So you should just look into it. And so I, I did that. I kind of went on a uh, you know, research deep dive, tried to look at how big the market is for IBD uh, from a, an actual drug perspective, how many clinical trials are going on, what stages are they in, how long do they take? And more than anything, just uh, started networking with pharma executives and operators and scheduled a bunch of phone calls and said, you know, what can we help you with? Is it central reading? Where's the challenge here? And over and over again, we just heard it's it's almost impossible us for almost impossible for us to find enough patients for our studies or to find them quickly and these trials just get delayed. And so we, you know, dug a step further. Why is it hard to find these patients? And they said, well, there's not really good data in the medical record for the sorts of things we're looking for, for, for patients. You need to have the video of the patient's colonoscopy in order to get them enrolled, which is not in a standard uh, uh, endoscopy report. You need to know either the Mayo score or the simple endoscopic score, the CDA, uh, AI, which again, oftentimes in standard clinical practice is just not being uh, captured in the endoscopy report. And, and that's where the light bulb went off and we said, well, we, we capture videos. That's what we do just as a part of standard of care. Can we build some tooling that, that does automated analysis to flag for patients with, you know, potentially the right Mayo score, potentially the right SCSCD. Um, and, and that's where it all came together. And it's just been a lot of exploration and, uh, you know, candidly, a lot of collaboration with pharma companies and CROs. It's, um, patient recruitment is really challenging across the board. And it's, it's, I think, ultimately a multifactorial problem that makes it so difficult. It's not like there's any one silver bullet. And so what we've been going through is now, I think, through our own product development, as well as partnership, trying to put all these pieces together to build up the best clinical trial network for uh, the, the entire space of endoscopy. Fantastic. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, you say it's it wasn't a stroke of genius, but sometimes recognizing good advice is a stroke of genius. <laughs> I have to tell you that people you know, can can just dismiss someone and or dismiss what they say, but you know, pursuing that and then building those connections. Uh, I, I always say a huge chunk of the difference between successful and non-successful people is persistent. So you kept at it. <laughs> so it's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, I think it's like Paul Graham gives the startup advice. That's like the, the, the number one thing you have to do as a startup is just not die. That's, that's the key thing. Because um, if you can not die, you can always continue to, you know, make changes, try new things, uh, come up with a new hypothesis. And so you just have to keep at it. It's I, you know, like COVID was uh, the ultimate experience of that for us, where we had maybe just started thinking about this pharma transition right right around the early days of COVID and um, you know, trying to pull off a business model pivot as an early stage startup with COVID happening. And we basically turned off all of our provider outreach. Um, and, and the key was just just survive through that uh, to be able to test out these new things and ultimately find the thing that's going to work. Nice, nice. I like that. Have you read yeah. Anti-Fragile? Uh, no, I've not. It's, it's, uh, it's on my list. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It talks about stuff like this, basically not 
not dying or building building a, a company that is designed in a way in which it doesn't it can't die yep. yeah <laughs> all right so let's talk a little bit about uh the hipaa compliance aspect of your business so first of all what does it mean sure. um in in just simple words and then how were you able to get HIPAA compliant? How were you able to get that stamp? Yeah, um, you know, being in in the space of dealing with really sensitive healthcare data, um, HIPAA was on our minds from the beginning of the company. And one of the things we um, were always a little bit dogmatic about as a, a startup was that we wanted to build a product from day one, not just like a, an R&D thing. We actually wanted to get product into the hands of physicians and get into top tier health systems. And so uh, when you go to a large academic medical center, they've got massive infrastructure around IT and security reviews. And so we, we had to learn very early on how to uh, successfully navigate that process. And so HIPAA, um, you know, there, there's a number of technical stipulations with HIPAA around data encryption, both at rest and in transit. But a large part of HIPAA is actually more geared toward um, policies and procedures and how you enact those as a company. Uh, so it's it's a lot more um, like operational work as opposed to core technical work. Um, fortunately, from a technical side, we're able to leverage cloud service providers, uh, Google Cloud Platform, which is HIPAA compliant, um, and just build with best security practices in mind to check the boxes on the technical front. Uh, but then early on, we also worked with uh, uh, another Techstars company called Accountable that helped us to bootstrap the policies and procedures we needed to keep in place to be HIPAA compliant. And a big part of it is actually just making sure that um, you know everyone at the company is trained on HIPAA and what it means and making sure that security practices are a part of what everybody does at the company. Um, we and so we are currently HIPAA compliant. We've been HIPAA compliant since day one, uh, rolling out our product. We sign a business associates agreement with all of our uh, healthcare provider customers, which uh, you know binds us as a covered entity under HIPAA to uh, responsibly uh, manage their data. Um, we get a mix of of some of the data that we capture in Virgo does not constitute PHI in that it's just internal video footage that's de-identified by nature. Uh, some of our institutions capture the video data where there's actually a PHI overlay on the screen. And so in those cases, we do have uh, a PHI in our system. Um, and we have tools for, for uh, ways to redact that data uh, and are building out more advanced tools for PHI redaction going forward. Um, but those are kind of the different things we think about with HIPAA. Um, it's, it's just been a part of the company culture since day one, uh, which I think is maybe the most important part. And one of the things that we've uh, recently done is you know go above, above and beyond what a lot of folks do uh, with just HIPAA compliance and we've actually attained SOC 2 compliance, uh, which is uh, kind of the standard um, cloud security compliance measure. Uh, so we uh, recently completed our SOC 2 type 1 audit, and we're about to wrap up our SOC 2 type 2 audit. We expect to have that report by the end of this year. Um, a lot of folks will rely on just their cloud service providers, like Google Cloud Platform or AWS. They do their own SOC 2. And a lot of people will just take that SOC 2 and give it to a hospital. 
Um, but we, we feel like it's really important to continually improve our security posture because data is so important to what we do. And so we, we wanted to take that extra step of becoming SOC 2 uh, audited as Virgo, as ourselves, uh, which covers all of our internal processes as well as the third-party vendors that we use. Nice, nice. I like that. Okay, so tell me about the most challenging obstacle that you had to face so far. Most challenging obstacle. Um, yeah, honestly, I think it was just it was finding the early adopters in the earliest days of Virgo. Um, we we early on had this vision and still do. Like we we just think every endoscopic procedure should be video recorded. Um, in you know the year twenty twenty two, you can capture basically unlimited four K video on an iPhone and store it in the cloud for you know pennies on the dollar. It's it's incredibly easy to do why can't we save the video from every single uh, endoscopy? And in the very early days, I think this was just such a paradigm shift from the way things were done. Uh, and healthcare moves slowly. It's, it's not easy to make that sort of a paradigm shift. And so finding the right physician advocates uh, who felt similarly and, and saw the value in doing this sort of data capture for their own purposes, for the, their, their patient's benefit, um, there's still a lot of resistance out there. I think there are some, um, lagging concerns around liability. What does it mean to save this video data? Um, ultimately I think the, the tide is shifting and, you know, if, if we have anything to say about it, five, 10 years from now, every single procedure is going to be recorded. And we think there's actually a number of reasons why that liability concern is misstated. And, um, we had to spend a lot of time talking to medical malpractice insurance companies and understanding what actually goes into uh, medical malpractice and, and where does liability come from. And I think if you talk to the right people, you learn that having this video data is actually more protective than harmful. Um, and, and so the, the hardest thing for us is just convincing people and getting that word out there and, and getting people to think a little bit differently about uh, what's being done as the standard of care today. Uh, I think we're we're definitely on the right path now. It feels like uh, we've got the momentum behind us and we've got the right people working with us. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we talked about Olympus and their innovation fund earlier, um, we also recently just took on some investment from the AGA coming out of their new uh, opportunity fund. And this is, it's, it's really exciting for us because I, I told the story of how we got the company started and, and in large part, we launched the company out of the AGA's tech summit. And so um, it, it's really cool to see things come full circle and now have the AGA uh, as a supporter and investor in Virgo. Um, I think is, you know, demonstration that we are getting those right people behind us to make that shift and, and make video part of the standard of care. That's awesome. That's awesome news, man. That I think this is probably their first investment. I think they just, yep. yeah, I think their first investment will be uh, putting out a joint, uh, joint announcement together here shortly. We're super excited. about That's it. fantastic. That's fantastic. You, you guys uh, are the first investment for the AGA venture. That's really, that's really cool. That's a really cool thing. Thank you. All right. What should we expect from Virgo in the near future? Is there anything that is different that you guys are working on or are you just optimizing what you already have at this time? Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of growth. I mean, um, we're starting to do and explore clinical trial work beyond just IBD. Um, we are still very much focused on GI, but I, I will say one of the exciting things we've seen is that other 
uh, clinical specialties are actually starting to adopt Virgo as well. Other other specialties that uh, perform endoscopies. So that has been really exciting for us. I think over the course of 2023, I, th I think you'll probably start to see a lot more of our collaborative work with Satisfy Health in particular. Um, you know, they have some very exciting technologies being developed, uh, uh, a number of AI solutions beyond just polyp detection and polyp classification. Uh, and so we're exploring ways that we can work together with them to uh, you know, leverage the data that we have to improve those systems and uh, also start to potentially roll those systems out to our uh, network of devices. So uh, more to come there, can't get into too much detail, but I, I think that's some of the exciting things you'll start to see in 2023 and beyond. I'm looking forward to it. All right, so we kind of went through all of my questions that I wanted to ask, but I always ask this question to everybody that I interview, and that's basically what role have physicians played in your endeavors so far? Yeah. Uh, I mean, an absolutely critical role. Um, physicians are our core end user of the product. And, um, you know, we, we try to build a solution that's valuable for them. And so it, it goes back to showing up at the AGA Tech Summit. We uh, met with physicians and, you know, showed up with a very, very, very rough concept and said, how could you use this? What, what could you do with systematic video capture? And, um, you know, uh, Mike Coachman from UPenn uh, was one of our early medical advisory board members. We, we built out a great medical advisory board. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're, I think, in large part, really guided in our product development by physicians that we work with. Uh, I think growing up with a, a parent who's a physician, it's just kind of uh, in large part guided my uh, core philosophy about the importance of healthcare and why we do what we do. So it's uh, it, it really all comes back to the physicians we work with, the other stakeholders at hospitals, and and ultimately trying to do all that to improve patient care. Awesome. I'm glad that physicians have been helpful and supportive. That's a, always, always a great thing to hear. Yeah, very much so. All right, Matt, do you have any questions for me? Um, I guess maybe to turn it back on you, I, I, uh, I, know, I know you're constantly engaged with really interesting folks in the uh, innovation side of GI. And so, uh, Maybe my question for you is, what are you most excited about for 2023 and beyond? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty tough question, I have to say. But um, <laughs> I think, to be honest, uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is is artificial intelligence. Um, but I think we're way beyond polyp detection at this point. I think polyp detection was just the, um, the bait, maybe, yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah. got everybody interested. But just you know, thinking about the things that we can do uh, with the technology um, that we have is, is incredible. And for a, a procedure for a, sorry, a specialty, like you said, like GI, that is mostly image video based, um, it, the, the, it's limitless. <laughs> the potential is limitless. And so I think that's the thing that I'm excited most about. That's awesome to hear. I'm, I'm a, just a total AI zealot. And uh, especially when it comes to computer vision, I, one thing I'd love to do is just encourage any physicians out there that are excited about AI. Um, AI is much more approachable than I think a lot of people realize. And um, I, I learned this by just taking some courses online. And I'd say if you're at all interested in being a physician who's participating in AI development, I'd, I'd highly encourage you to you know, try to struggle through uh, a machine learning course on Coursera 
Uh, I know they've got a, a great introduction to deep learning course. You know, there's some math to it, but honestly, the the kind of fundamentals are not that difficult to grasp. And there's more and more tools out there that allow just kind of anyone to to kind of mess around with AI systems. So I'd, I'd encourage physicians out there to get more involved. We definitely need more physicians that aren't just excited about the clinical applications, but also understand uh, how, or I guess understand what goes into building uh, machine learning systems. I, I think that can really help supercharge uh, the, the development and innovation that takes place in the space. Absolutely. I'm, from uh, personal experience, I, I completely agree. It's actually a lot easier than, than you might think. Yep. Um, but the reason why it's necessary, I think, is for physicians to be able to recognize what is doable and what is not, right? Um, totally. You know, a lot of people don't understand what machine learning can do or what it can achieve. Um, and a lot of people think that it can do everything. And so it's kind of somewhere in between and, and, and a course like that, an introductory course, at least the least you could come out of it, even if you don't do any of the math or any, anything like that, yeah. is just to recognize what, what this technology can offer. Us. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. There, there's so many opportunities out there. And I think the more people that, that understand what the technology is and what it isn't, I think we'll, we'll start to uncover more of those uh, opportunities for clinical practice. Awesome. Uh, I see a picture of the moon behind you. Are you an uh, astro <laughs> astronaut? Yeah, I, I am. It's actually the the name of the company, Virgo. A lot of people think it's you know astrology or horoscopes, and it's it's nothing of the sort. I'm a, a total space nerd. Um, you know, back before Virgo, <laughs> I, I, me too. nice. Um, back before uh, we started the company, when I had more time, my my primary hobby was actually astrophotography done with a smartphone. I had this uh, a blog called iastrophotography.com and would teach people how to use their iPhone with a telescope. To, uh... I gotta take that. Yeah, it's, it, it's super fun. I, I unfortunately just haven't had as much time to be into it lately. But um, so when I was starting the company, I wanted to come up with a name that was space related and figured we'd be capturing a ton of data. So I was thinking about some large astronomical objects like a galaxy. And obviously you can't call the company Milky Way because of the candy bar. Uh, but if, if you look, the Milky Way is actually part of a larger galactic supercluster called the Virgo supercluster that I, th I think it's something like a thousand galaxies that are all part of this larger superstructure. Uh, and so I just love that. I was like, that's, that's about as big as it gets, uh, on astronomical scales. And, uh, it also sounds great with video Virgo video kind of rolls off the tongue. So that that's where we got it from. But I get, now we wear Virgo t-shirts and sweatshirts and, we're out and about. You know, cashiers will say, oh, "Are you a Virgo?" And I'm like, no, it's that's not exactly what it is. It's not astrology, but uh, it, it, it's a uh, it's stuck with it. That's awesome. I think this is this is a great way to end our interview. Um, I'm absolutely. I actually just was able <laughs> to open that blog, and uh, I've been having some trouble with the astrophotography myself. So <laughs> I'll, be, oh, I'll be getting back to you with how you can how much that helped. <laughs> We can talk some shop. Happy to. <laughs> All right, Matt. It was fantastic having you and uh, hope to have you on uh, in the future as well. So have a good rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks, Barry. It was great chatting with you and uh, look forward to get, seeing you again in person soon. That concludes this episode of the GI Startup Podcast. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you enjoyed listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and please leave a review as it helps us create additional content. See you next time.